You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, captivating cool cats craving for cranial crumbs. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 83, and I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your surly circle of surrogates surfing and surveying for certain cerebral surprises. Oh, nice. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Surrogates are meerkats. Oh, okay. oh. Not surrogate. Surrogates. Surrogate. And we're going to start the show off with uh, our regular correction installment. <laughs> um, actually. Yes, we have an um, actually. <laughs> Tom and Nathaniel wrote in. I talked about the Mimic Octopus a couple episodes ago. I totally didn't know this. Do you guys know this? What is the plural form of octopus? I think Octopi? it's octopuses. I agree. And okay. I, but I only think, because I, I feel it, like I've heard this before. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of those things where it's not, people say octopi, but it's not really octopi because it doesn't come from, I don't know, something like that. What is it? So since octopus, the word is from Greek rather than Latin, mm, octopi right. doesn't make sense because that's a Latin thing, mm. not a Greek thing. Mm. So the correct form is Octopodes. Oh. Yeah. Octopodes? Yeah. That's cool. Octopodes. Huh. But nice. some grammarians and some professors and, and, and experts of the English language may argue that that's kind of old school. Okay. Uh, so can be also octopuses. Okay. So, okay. I mean, and let's be honest. Like, if you were in a conversation and you just dropped in octopodes casually, <laughs> yeah. people would be like, what did you say? What? There would be eyes rolled <laughs> yeah. so all around. Conversation anymore. Uh, we're doing this now? All right. I think we're done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. Octopodes and octopuses are okay. mm-hmm. acceptable. But octopi. No. Off the table. Unless you're putting yeah. it in a pie. Right. Unless it's a and pie made of octopodes. Yeah. Octopode, pie that has octopi. eight tendrils. Oh, that's a weird <gasps> pie. Oh, Listeners, that's doable. Eight pies are octopi? <laughs> if yeah. you would like to make an octopi, please yeah. send us pictures. Twitter.com slash brain. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. I am picking a random trivia pursuit card from the box. Here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. Where in the solar system can you find the Sea of Cleverness, the Marsh of Decay, and the Lake of Fear? Mm. Chris. I believe this is on Earth's moon. Yes. Okay. Oh, you nice. kind of psyched me up. <laughs> well, I just want to be clear. It's it. Earth's moon. Our moon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Correct. As in not moons of other planets that may or may not be in the solar system. That's true. Cool. You know what? That's a good clarification. So it's a big M moon, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 The moon. Yeah. Oh. Like, yeah. So big M moon is our moon. I think so. Yeah. Right? I think that's oh, commonly accepted. Oh, okay. Pink okay. Moon. Pink wedge for pop culture. What language is Brad Pitt's character allegedly speaking in the movie Snatch? Dana. Uh. Is it uh, like Irish or Gaelic? No, I don't get this are answer. They, are they looking <laughs> for Cockney rhyming slang? Or is the answer they... English? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. It yeah. is yeah. English. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just a trick question. With a little, with a little line here. The character's impenetrable accent is a running joke in the film. Oh, right? okay. Right. Yeah. Because he's right. supposed to be a gypsy. He's speaking English, but it doesn't. It's yeah. Nobody accented. can understand him because it's so accented. That was a weird. That was a weird trivia question. Trivia question. Yeah. Somebody thought they were languages. being clever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yellow wedge. What footwear did hecklers brandish to mock 2004 presidential candidate John Kerry? 
Oh. oh. <laughs> Flip-flops. Yes. <laughs> Purple Wedge, what 1996 fictional diary included a running tally of the heroine's cigarette, alcohol, and calorie consumption? Oh. Dana. Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Jones. All right. Green Wedge for science. E- How do I pronounce this? A Common door, a common door, yes. is what kind of animal? K O M O N D O R. Colin. It is a dog. Yes. And they, this is a good trivia. They're, they're the shaggy, like, mop like dogs on the cover of, like, oh, Odelay. You know, yeah, the, the back Bex album. album. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a Commodore. Wow. Well, that's right. Commodore. We had this. Yeah, we've had this at trivia, at trivia before. before. I think we have had it at trivia. It's like a picture of it. I'd be like, ah, yeah. oh, it looks like How a do mop you spell dog. K O M O N D O R. Huh. Yeah. And it's a real dog. And I think yeah. I, I'm sure I learned that from pub quiz. Somewhere. It looks like yeah. an old English sheep dog with dreads. All right, Orange Wedge, last question. What fiery baseball manager got so mad during a 1990 game that he uprooted first base, threw it onto the outfield, and then picked it up and threw it again? Take oh, that. Uh, I think that was Lou Pinella. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. but He was a fiery baseball manager <laughs> and a fiery player in his, uh, in his day as well. Oh, okay. Good job, Brains. Well, yeah, not bad. Cool. In previous episodes, we've explored things underground, and so today we're going to feature things that are in the air. So this week, we're talking about things that are up in the air. You're going to test the sky. You're going to test the sky, baby girl. Testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day you die, you're going to test the sky. Okay, so let's get the obvious one out of the way, and I'll talk about airplanes. Yeah. I think I did a quiz about airplanes on a, a, a not so uh, long ago previous episode. And our episode. all quiz bonanza. And all quiz bonanza. Mm-hmm. Yes, we talked about airplanes. So here's, Are you going to do the same quiz? Here's we're going to ace them. Yeah, we're doing the <laughs> same quiz again, and then, I'll, then I'm actually I'm, I'm got it written down twice. We're going to do it twice. Um, so have you ever been on an airplane and like been really close to the wing and looked out the window and seen on the back of the wing they have those little mini wings? Flaps. Yeah. Flaps. Yeah. The flappy yeah. things. Yeah. That's not really what I'm talking about, but oh, it's a good okay. it's a good into it. Um they're called they're called ailerons. Mm. That is what ailerons mm-hmm. are. Ailerons. Aileron. A I L E R O N S. That is French for Little wing. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's the little wing on the wing. They they give you more control uh, over turning. Um, you can use the ailerons if you tilt one up and tilt one down. The plane will bank. Not that I suggest that you do this. <laughs> yeah, one, one could. You are not piloting. Yeah. One yeah. might. So um, there was a lot of debate back in the day over who had actually invented uh, the aileron because there were a lot of various people claiming mm-hmm. that they had invented it. One of the men who had claimed at one point to have invented the aileron was an early aviation pioneer from the United States of America, and his name was Dr. William Whitney Christmas. Dr. That's right. Dr. Christmas. Dr. Christmas did actually build one of the first airplanes that actually had ailerons on it. Like, as opposed to Hmm. patenting the idea, he actually built an airplane with ailerons, and it was one of, if not the, you know, first to have this. However, that is probably the only good thing we can say about anything that Dr. Christmas did in the field of aviation or any of his airplanes. 
Dr. Christmas is uh, actually well-known, if for anything, uh, for building one of the worst airplanes ever. (laughs) Dr. Christmas says that the first airplane he ever built was called the Redbird 1. Then he says that it was completed and that he flew it on March 8th, 1908. Now, that date is significant because we know for a, a fact, a recorded historical fact, that four days later, March 12, 1908... Glenn Curtis, who was one of the early, early pilots, he actually made the first pre-announced successful flight of okay. a heavier-than-air machine. So this was the first time anybody had ever said, because mm-hmm. the Wright brothers, they just happened to get their, their plane off the ground. You right. Know? This was Until the people first, afterward. Like, I am going to fly a plane. Come watch me. And he was the first person to ever do it. Pre-announced. A couple of little trivia pieces here. A little bit of a segue. The plane was called the June Bug. And Aww. Glenn Curtis was the first guy to ever get issued a pilot's license in the oh, United States. Okay. Orville Wright got license number five. That must have uh, killed him. That they, must have just killed they, him. They, they did the first batch alphabetically. Oh. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Um, He's like, know, I made this, yeah. you guys. So Dr. Christmas says that he built the Redbird 1, that he got it to take off, that he landed it, and then he flew it again and again and again for the next couple of days uh, until such time as he smashed it into a tree. <laughs> and then, he says, to preserve his secrets... <laughs> He burned the airplane, and that's why oh nobody—that's why nobody can find it because he burned the whole thing. All right. Now there is photographic <laughs> evidence of other planes that this guy built, the Redbird two and three, and they were apparently displayed at like early aeronautics, you know, fairs. But there's really no record that these weird-looking things ever actually got up into the air and landed. Do safely. they not look like normal airplanes? They—they they do not. No, they—they they <laughs> look kind of weird. So he tried to capitalize on World War One, which was just getting rolling, by selling like bombers to the United States military, but the military did not bite. And so finally, in 1980. He was able to convince investors to come in with him and give him money to build this this plane idea that he had. And he was actually able to convince the army to loan him an engine for the plane. Mm. So he had the money, he had people building it for him, and he called it the Christmas Bullet. The Christmas (laughs) Bullet is thought of as being the worst airplane ever. So, it's the worst airplane name. Yeah, yeah. it was off to a bad start. It's pretty bad. Yeah. So let's talk about biplanes. You know how biplanes you have the, the two sets of wings, and then yep. in between them they have a whole system of wires, yeah, and struts, struts and, stuff. and it's all for just stability, for wing stability and strength and all that. Doctor Christmas did not think so. Doctor Christmas <laughs> felt that the best way to build an airplane was to have the wings flap like a bird's. So, <laughs> yeah, so that he just put, he just popped the wings on there and. He didn't want them to stabilize. He wanted them to be able to go up and down like a bird's because, you know, birds can fly. So clearly, (laughs) airplane wings should flap. Copy nature. So he actually had, he was trying to sell this, uh, this, this small plane idea to the army with the idea that we would be able to use the Christmas bullet, the United States military, to conduct a daring solo mission to kidnap Kaiser Wilhelm himself, <laughs> um, thus, you know, bringing about an end to, to World War One. And he hired all these people to build it at the early aeronautics companies who were just huh. like, you are crazy, this won't work. This will not work. I'm not taking credit for this. But he, he found people to pay to yeah. build this thing. Hey, give so, him credit. Like, go big, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Star, yeah. Absolutely. He <laughs> totally believed in, him, in, in himself, and he believed in this design. What uh, happened with the first test flight of the Christmas bullet is that the plane took off, the mm-hmm. wings ripped off of the fuselage, <laughs> and the whole thing crashed, and the pilot died. Oh. Um, this was the only test pilot they could find Death who was willing Christmas to bullet. go up in this thing. Oh. Um, what Dr. Christmas did was, apparently, lie 
took out an ad in magazines and newspapers saying that his plane had con- completed a totally successful <laughs> test flight, had flown super fast, and was uh, awesome. He um, uh, burned the test pilot to cover his secrets. Rebuilt, yeah. Uh, <laughs> rebuilt the plane. It's a little dark. It's a little dark. That's really dark. <laughs> so he rebuilds the plane, sends the the second, the rebuilt Christmas bullet up, and this is 1919, sends it up on another test flight, uh, piloted by a pilot this time with the very fitting last name of Jolly. Flying the Christmas bullet. Did he have a holly jolly Christmas? He did not because the wings ripped off and the plane crashed and he died. (laughs) And this turns out to be pretty much the end of Dr. Christmas's career. Storied career in the field of aeronautics. He was thought of as being a tremendous uh, salesman and and able to convince people to do things, but not so much a designer. Uh, That he convinced pilots to pilot his plane. He convinced pilots to pilot the plane. Yeah. Unfortunately, that person was also the last. Yeah. <laughs> no, the first guy wasn't the last. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The second guy went up in there. He got two He's suckers. like, how yeah. modifications have you made to the design? <laughs> Nothing? All right. <laughs> this totally has something to do with in the air, but I'll get there. Trust me. I'll, okay. I'll get there. I'm going right. to frame it in a weird way. So a couple of episodes ago, we had a hot episode, things that are hot. And Colin, you talked about capsaicin and the mm. heat of peppers. And we talked about ways to soothe pepper burns. But- we never talked about why are peppers hot. Do you guys know why are peppers hot and spicy? I I think I assumed it was like a defense mechanism, like to, to keep certain animals from eating them. So let's say, let's talk about plants in general. There's a sizable population of plants that want to be eaten, right? Mm-hmm. They, or they want parts they of them. They want to be eaten. They, yeah, yeah, parts of them eaten because it helps them spread their seeds. So mm-hmm. like fruits, right? Fruits are, that's essentially the reason why fruits exist so animals can eat the fruit and help spread the seeds (laughs) for either through poop or through you Mm. know rubbing it off or 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 whatnot what's our time to poop in this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty fast fast. (laughs) and some plants do not want to get eaten and you know think about the cactus right some plants grow in hard to reach places they have thorns or they smell bad or they taste bad or are poisonous so now at the intersection between these two camps is the pepper, which is kind of perplexing, the fruit of the pepper looks really pretty, looks mm-hmm. really appealing, smells pretty good. But on the other hand, the fruit itself is super unpleasant and spicy and hot. And mm-hmm. why is this? Colin, you're you're totally right. And I'm citing uh, two sources here. One is a, a paper I found called Taxon Specific Differences in Responsiveness to Capsaicin and Several Analogs Correlates... Between chemical structure and behavioral aversiveness. And also another uh, science writer, Anthony Watts. The plant is so smart. So capsaicin, <laughs> the, the pepper burning sensation we feel is is tied to the fact that we have nerve receptors, right? Mm-hmm. In our face nerve. Mm-hmm. And we're sensitive to it. All mammals have capsaicin receptors. But birds do not. Mm. So birds can eat a buttload of peppers and not feel a thing. Uh. So when researchers analyze poop from mammals and birds after eating peppers, the pepper seeds that pass through mammalian digestive tract becomes infertile or they're chewed up or they're destroyed. Uh. Mm. But the seeds from the bird duty 
completely fine <laughs> oh, and fertile. Okay. okay. And so the plant was like, well, I do want to get eaten and have my seeds spread. <laughs> but only but, by these guys. But only by birds. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I think I had read about the birds, but I never really understood, well, like, why? What? Why? What's to, to what end? Yeah. Yep. And it's ah. because their digestive system doesn't ruin the seeds. So that's the current hmm. line of thinking and research suggests hmm. that pepper plants yield hot peppers is uh, the plant's way to select it's eaters. Ah. Well, they also have the advantage of, you know, you can do some uh, airmail delivery of the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, spread, yeah. It, spread it farther. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spread it farther. It's related to birds, which we fly. <laughs> oh, That's oh, my okay. angle. Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> airmail delivery. So, yeah. Yeah. so, I mean, next time you see bird poop on your car mm-hmm. or on the ground... You Taste a- it. Because <laughs> it might be spicy. delicious habaneros. Yeah. <laughs> just, just try putting some on your sushi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say appreciate. Oh. the 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 I don't know the wondrous <laughs> nature of bird poop. <laughs> okay, I have a quiz for you guys. All right. It's kind of a grab bag okay. of things that are in the sky. We gotta get our buzzers ready. Get your yeah. buzzers ready. First question: What type of cloud produces rain? Oh. oh man, Chris! <laughs> no. It's a, a a cumulonimbus. That is Cum- one type. Oh, nimbus really? is the no, kind. Nimbus. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to clouds, are cumulus clouds low etage, middle etage, or high etage? I don't know what that means. Cumulus. Yeah. Do we get to know what an etage? Oh, means? stage. Oh, yes, it's French for right, stage. Right. Yeah. Oh. It's like, is it low? I believe they're high. No. Mm. I was gonna say they're low. They are low. Yeah. They're the closest they're the, to the they're ground. They're the ones that are, that, yeah. Because okay. they're like, because fog yeah. is really close to being cumulonimbus clouds, right? Yes. Because it's just like clouds mm, are sitting it's on true. us. true. Yes. It's cloud on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ground, ground yeah. cloud. Yeah. I never thought about that. It, 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 is really fog like cloud? Yeah. Yeah. Ground it cloud. It is ground, ground cloud. cloud. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> this nickname for the reduced gravity flight is based on its effects on the passengers. <laughs> Karen. Is it z- zero G? No. Uh, it is the vomit comet. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what? That's what? what they they put you yeah. on. You know when they when they do uh, an airplane and they like they'll go up and down to like really fast yeah. to simulate reduced right. gravity. So like they'll use have, it to film doing... zero G scenes in movies yeah. sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. so they're doing uh, parabolic maneuvers where they go up at a sharp forty five yeah. degree angle and then a, kind of they roll it at the top. Yep. And that's when you're zero Gs. That's yep. when you can fly and then they go back down. And so you're feeling extra gravity on the way up and on the way down, but at the middle. In the middle. You're flying. It right. makes me queasy yeah. just thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. And they. They do it so you get it for um, around twenty seconds, ten to ten mm-hmm. to seventeen seconds, something like that. That's how long you're flying, and then they go back down and they do it twenty times, like they, okay. twenty to forty times, I depending on what you're that. up to. Oof. Well, they give you techniques to like to not vomit. To not yeah. Oh. yeah, no, it's about where to look, and um, oh, gotcha. it's yeah. mostly anxiety induced. Just the, uh, the, really? the doing that, and then probably smelling other people's mm-hmm. foot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my assumption. It's like, it's like chain I can, reaction. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I could probably like, manage my anxiety, but if I saw it like fly or saw people that, or, like smelled it, it yeah. probably oh, would trigger. Yeah. Me. Especially right. at zero gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. All right. So here's a question for you guys: How high does the vomit comet go to create the oh. parabolic maneuver? Is oh. it? 24,000, 34,000, or 44,000 feet? I, well, I mean, I know a normal jet is at 30-something. I'm going to guess 44. I'm going to guess the highest one. I'm going to guess the lowest one, 24,000. Oh, guess mid. Nice. <laughs> it is the middle one. Oh. Yeah. It's always the middle it's one. The bottom of the parabola is 24, and then it goes to 34, and then back to 24. Uh. Like, that's how it works. 
What 2009 movie was released in Russia as "I Wish I Could Rise to the Sky"? <laughs> up. No. Oh, no. Was it Up in the Air? Yes. Oh. So in Up in the Air, George Clooney's character gets special privileges for flying 10 million miles with mm-hmm. which airline? Oh. Oh, I didn't watch the movie. It's one of the major U.S. Yeah. Delta. No. Colin? United? No. American Airlines. Yes. Uh, yeah. There we go. Who paid up to get Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who's going to pay a lot of money? You know, and that doesn't actually exist. They don't have a program for oh, 10 really? million miles. Oh. They should, but they really? don't. Yeah. They do have a program for 1 million miles, mm-hmm. yeah. but 10 million, woof. All right. Which 1964 Disney movie included parrots, penguins, and pigeons? We're all just looking at Karen. Or a parrot, oh. penguins, and pigeons. Is it the three caballeros? That's not 1960s. No. That was a sh- that was a short, wasn't it, or was that hmm. parrots, penguins, and pigeons? Okay, Disney. Disney. What year? Oh, was- oh, 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 oh! Is it Mary Poppins? Yes. Oh, oh. I was so excited. Oh. The parrot oh, okay. from the umbrella. Yes. Which which talks the yeah. penguins in the animated series? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and the, the pigeons because of the bird lady. Yes. Ah, oh, yes. Was- fist pump. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. Double fist pump. I was like, man, there's quite a strong bird motif in that movie. I was yeah. thinking about it. All right, who wrote Sleep Mary Poppins? Yeah, I know. And then there's the kite song. There's yeah. a lot of flying. Who wrote Mary Poppins? Chris. P. L. Travers. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what the P stands for? Um, Patricia. Okay. No. Oh, God, it was... Pamela. Yes. Yes, yes. I was like, what's an old-timey P name? Yes, (laughs) lady P name. All right. The atmospheric air that surrounds our planet is mostly made up of what? Nitrogen. Yes, nitrogen. 79% nitrogen, um, 21% oxygen, and then the small remaining amount is just Carbon dioxide and random gases, other mm. gases, Farts. not random yeah. gases, yeah. other gases. <laughs> They're not just random. random. Just random. Just that yeah. random. <laughs> Febreze. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there are five basic layers to the atmosphere. I'll tell you what they are. Oh, okay. yeah. Can okay. you put them in order from closest oh. to the Earth? Mm. There's just five. Okay. Five right, okay. Okay. Right. It's like fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys ready? Sure. They are. We're gonna bomb this. Well, the thermosphere. The exosphere, the troposphere, stratosphere, and mesosphere. All right. Well, mesosphere is going to be in the middle. Because <laughs> okay. nice. the exosphere right. should be in the outside. Right. All right. And I, is it? I, no, oh, thermo and tropo. I feel like one of those is closer, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. What's hotter? Therm, thermos, like. I guess. Thermos, wait. Tro, tropo? What's tropo? Tro, like tropical, right? No. Mm. I think there's another etymology. So okay, so let's go be so maybe stratosphere is the second highest if exo is the maybe, highest. I think maybe. stratosphere is the lowest. Is oh, really? Because you can see things. I don't know. It doesn't seem oh. that far, like jet streams and stuff. Stratosphere. Stratospheric. Okay, Dan, so Dan, okay, and that, stratos is like that's just also sky, the name right? Of a, so maybe the stratosphere is closest to us. All right. So what? Are, what are yours? I would say okay. What from, are your from lowest to highest? Yeah. We go stratosphere, troposphere. Uh, mesosphere, thermosphere, and exosphere. Oh, you're so close. Oh, okay. The first two are flip flop. Oh, okay. that's it. Yes. So tropo is the closest. Oh, it is. Okay. And then stratosphere, mesosphere. Yes, is the middle, the middle. Number three. Okay. And then the thermosphere is 
it has a lot of hot molecules. It might still be cold because they're far apart. <laughs> hot yeah. molecules. So yeah. Get your hot molecules yeah. then, in the thermosphere. Then you're totally right. Exosphere is the out. Outer. Is the so yeah. once All you right. get middle, almost. You got to come up with it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, okay. you guys. Think of a mnemonic. Not bad. That up in good. the air. Not bad. All right, guys. Let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Welcome back. You're listening to Good Job Brain, and this week we are talking about Things up in the air, in the sky. So we've all, I think, at one time or another worked in tall buildings. I've definitely, I've worked as high as, I think, the 13th floor on a building before. Whoa, I can't uh, believe the building had a 13th floor. I know, that's, yeah. that's what I thought. Typically, they leave yeah. that off. I was actually very happy that that, that building had a 13th floor. We it were, didn't so, give in to the superstition. You, you know what's kind of weird is that um the building where we stayed in the, the hotel for our wedding is actually in Chinatown, and they doesn't have a 13th floor, but it does have a 4th floor. Oh, oh, that is weird. That yeah. is strange, yeah. 4th floor is, uh, means death. Uh, it, that's the unlucky floor. That's the unlucky. 13 is not unlucky in, in uh, certain Asian yeah. countries, but 4 is very unlucky. There's no rooms there, though. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just meeting rooms. So you can avoid oh, okay. it if you want. Yeah. Oh. So maybe that is a concession. Maybe. To... That, oh, Interesting. Okay, yeah. It's just a bunch of dead bodies. That's yeah. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is a floor. No. Yeah, it's that's the, where yeah. they keep yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, so if you have a job in a tall building in a skyscraper, it's generally a pretty safe job, I think, these oh, days. Yeah. You know, unless if you're working on the outside, like modern window washers, you know, this oh. is still one of those jobs where 
where even though it's got some technology and safety equipment to it, most tall buildings, you still, you clean the windows by sending people on the outside to wash them from the outside. It's one of those things where until you're at your desk and you see the guys, you know, lowering on the platform right outside your window or... My friend told me the craziest story like yesterday about window washing. He was in another room and he heard his wife scream and they lived in this big apartment building with, or all the windows have window ledges, but you can't really open the windows. Mm. And so she screams, he runs out there and there's like this red hawk there with a pigeon that it's eating and it's smearing the pigeon all over over their ledge and the window and she's yelling and they call the building and they're like, well, we're not going to clean the windows for another six months. And so they just (laughs) had to live with that outside their window. (laughs) Just a daily reminder. Mother Nature. (laughs) Yeah, you think you're in this modern apartment and all protected. No. No. (laughs) It's going to get you. Oh my God, it's horrible. It's an important job. You need to clean off dirt and dust and grime and pigeon carnage <laughs> apparently add to that to that list as well uh yeah i mean this is one of those occupations that really the development of the modern skyscraper you know brought a lot of new jobs with it like elevator operators and things like that that were never positions before and window washers was was a big part of this and it is a lot safer today than it certainly than it was in the early days i mean you know we we see a lot of times the motorized platform that lowers from the roof yeah. is very common sometimes it may be manual operated but you know for the most part it's a pretty safe stable area to work from in the early days they didn't have anything like movable platforms if you if you just drop if you needed to clean the windows on the 75th floor of the building you would go up to the 75th floor open the window crawl crawl out on the ledge and wash the window from the outside the first skyscrapers were 15 or 20 stories you Mm. know but even at that height you can only use ladders up to a certain height and they would use ladders for the future floors they would have scaffoldings that you could build up but you know you can't build a scaffolding that's 80 80 stories tall and at a certain point no you literally would just go up to the floor crawl out on the ledge clean the window from the outside you know you would strap yourself in but this was dangerous scary work yeah I would like to read to you guys from an article from uh uh, 1934 here that I think will put this in perspective a little bit. Oh. Fear of heights is acrophobia, right? Yeah. Ac- acrophobia. Acrophobia. Mm-hmm. Like acrobats. Oh. All right. So I would like to read for you guys uh, an article from 1934. Uh, this is from Modern Mechanics and Inventions magazine. And the title of this article is How a Skyscraper Window Washer Faces Death. So I will try and read this to you my best uh, Chris Kohler old-timey newsreel mm. voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hailed as Superman, stunt artists are paid fabulous sums to risk their necks for a thrill-hungry public, yet their most hair-raising feats are duplicated every day by the daring men who clean the windows of the nation's towering skyscrapers. Uh, And it continues on. The aces of the window brigade put circus acrobats and parachute jumpers to shame, for there is no margin of error, no nets or parachutes to break a possible fall, an error in judgment, a slip of the life belt, and the window cleaner has signed his own death warrant. (laughs) Below him there is nothing but a yawning city canyon, a square of concrete pavement to land and die on. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, not to get a little overdramatic about it. Uh, And it's accompanied by several photos of the crew of the men who, all men at this point, uh, of the men who cleaned the windows in the Empire State Building in New York City. Uh, And the photos are pretty harrowing. You look at them. These guys are literally out on the edge of the building. They have a leather strap that has two hooks on it. They hook themselves on one end. They hook themselves on the other end. And they are leaning off the edge of 
the building at 80 yeah. stories above the streets of Manhattan with wow. their t- cleaning tools in their hands. You couldn't work if it was too windy because yeah. you get yeah. blown Good. off. Yeah. Uh, you know, for obvious reasons, you can't work if it's, you know, snowing. I mean, sure. not to mention the fact that cleaning the windows wouldn't make as much sense <laughs> in the snow. That's true. Yeah. They interviewed the chief of the cleaning crew and he came from working in coal mines for 10 years, mm. you know, to sort Hard of give living. you a sense. Mm. Yes. It, they needed Hard to attract living. men who weren't scared of working. He says that sort of his first day job interview was he would take a guy up to the ledge on the 80th floor, open the window and say, okay, uh, can you get out there and just uh, show me what you can do? And he says, he's like, I would know right then and there whether this guy was right for the job. You know, he's like, either the guy would get out on the ledge and see what he could do, Mm -hmm. or the guy would just sort of, you know, blanch and run away. And that was sort of the interview to see if you were hardy enough to be a window washer on the crew. We do, in fact, have the window washing industry to thank for one of history's greatest inventions. Squeegee! Oh. The squeegee! Yeah. Yes! Oh, the nice. modern squeegee! Uh, I did not know this. Did you guys know, do you guys know where the word squeegee comes from? The sound it makes? I had always thought it was, Is yeah. It portmanteau? Yeah. It just seems very, uh, like yeah. an onomatopoeia mm-hmm. word. Yeah, like squeegee on the outside of the window. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it sounds like when I clean <laughs> the window. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it derives from an older word called a squilgee. And a squilgee was like a, uh, it's like a wooden blade, kind of like a broom, and like fishermen would use it to like scrape fish oh, guts okay. and, and just the scales, all or... the debris off the decks oh, of their oh, ships oh, to okay, keep the okay, decks okay. safe. Huh. Yeah. And so from there, it kind of became a squilgee for a window to a squeegee. Huh. Uh, but yes, modern uh, window washers in the 20s and 30s brought us the rubber bladed squeegee that we now take for granted uh, mm-hmm. and use all around our own homes. Wow. wow. Apparently, the original device uh, in common use was called a Chicago squeegee. Squeegee, which does sound like something you would see on Urban Dictionary, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in fact a, really a valuable does. tool. Uh, or like a like a some... mob move. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. Give them the Chicago. We're gonna go send them a Chicago yeah. squeegee. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are in a tall building and you are looking at a nice clear view of the windows, mm-hmm. thank you to the men and women who uh, <laughs> put their safety at risk to keep them clean. Do do window washers get paid more because it's super dangerous and, and only a selective type of people can do that type of work. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure heights. about in today's in today's environment if they get paid more or less relative to other professions. Uh, I, there is a fun little anecdote from this article that uh, I was just reading to you where he says, uh, so this is again, 1934. The average window cleaner gets $30 weekly for 48 hours of total work. So that seems pretty good in 1934 dollars. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. And again, you know, as I say, uh, they, they talk about one of the one of the benefits of the job is you don't have to work when it's raining, mm-hmm. you don't have to work when it's snowing, mm-hmm. yeah, but and you don't need to get it cleaned every day. That's right. Yeah, as Dana said, sometimes yeah. uh, even six with months. even with modern equipment, you may need to look at bird guts for six months. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of bird guts, I got more. I got some cool bird facts. Actually, not cool. They're cruel. These are some a a hole birds. Oh, okay. Um, do you guys know what brood parasites are? You probably oh, know the phenomenon. Yeah, this we've is talked the about these herb. before. Bird mite. These these are parasites that take over other animals, yeah. right? Oh. Oh. You know the bird cuckoo, right? Like yeah. cuckoo, cuckoo clock. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are some a hole birds. Really? They are yeah. an example really? of brood parasites. Dana, oh. you're not in yeah. your head. You know what they do. Yeah. Huh? Do they, they pretend to be, um, part of the nest, like one of the baby birds and they steal food? Is that it? Uh, very similar. So, so cuckoos, for example, they will lay eggs, one oh, egg yes. in nests with other eggs from 
other oh, bird yeah, yeah. species. So if I'm a so mommy they just cuckoo, go around like one egg here, one, one egg, egg there, there, one egg there, <laughs> just <laughs> sneaking it in. Sneaking it in, in most cases, is amazing. The baby cuckoo bird or brood parasite bird will generally hatch first because of the shorter incubation time uh-huh. and usually is larger than the other birds or, you know, these are different species of birds. Okay. They're larger and it requires the most amount of food. So basically it's... <laughs> It's, it's like stealing resources from the other yeah. babies. It is. And it's got so many jerk things. Because it requires more food and, and they're more aggressive, the other hatchlings, which are actually the actual biological offspring of the host bird, they will starve and die. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Because this one giant baby bird is e- eating up all the resources. I'm amazed that the, the mama birds don't notice. So sometimes the baby parasite cuckoo bird, in, in this case, since it hatches first, it will push out all the other <laughs> eggs out of the nest so that yeah. the eggs will drop and, and oh, die. Oh, man. Uh, so the poor host mommy bird, most of the time, has no idea that this is not her baby. Oh. Isn't that nuts? There's these pictures, and it's just comical because the mommy bird's like super tiny, trying to feed this cuckoo bird baby that's like super big (laughs) and just feeding it mouth to mouth or or I guess beak to beak. Mm -hmm. Beak to beak. There are no Um, winners when brood parasites are in the picture. So cuckoos are are one of the species. There are a lot of other birds that do this. And that's so cutthroat. You think that's cutthroat? (laughs) There's this thing called the mafia hypothesis. I'm going to introduce you to probably the most a-hole bird. (laughs) It is the cowbird. And it's called a cowbird because it travels with cattle. Mm-hmm. And it oh, cowbird. It feeds on mm-hmm. um, parasites and insects that are on the cow skin. Okay. okay. So it's a pretty pretty sweet relationship, okay. right? It's pretty Sym- sweet. Symbiotic. Skin. The problem is the cowbirds are dependent on the moving herd of cattle. So they're always on the move. This means the cowbird doesn't have time to settle down, to build a nest, mm-hmm. lay eggs, and take care of its babies. Mm-hmm. So instead of investing time and energy into raising its own baby, the cowbird will lay its eggs onto other nests of other bird species and leave it there for the victim stepmother host bird to take care of it. The difference between the cowbird and, and cuckoos and other brood parasites is that the mommy cowbird will fly and check on all these nests. <laughs> like okay. if, if the parent cowbird sees that its egg or its chick is no longer in that nest, like which means the, the, the host bird has kicked it out, detected that it's an intruder and kicked it out, the cowbird will F up that whole nest. He <laughs> <laughs> like, tra- like trashes the nest. So in a way, the cowbird is blackmailing. You've and got a nice little nest here. <laughs> yeah. It would be a shame if anything was to happen <laughs> to it. Yeah. Protection racket. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, the, the cowbird is blackmailing and forcing other birds to raise their babies or else they will kill their whole family. <laughs> oh Bird extortion. Oh. Isn't that horrible? This is known as the... Mo- it's a hypothesis, the but it's known as the mafia hypothesis. The mafia. This is oh. chilling. <laughs> Welcome to our involuntary foster bird program. <laughs> Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, 
from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. All right, our episode is nearing the end, but we have one more non-topic quiz from Colin, which is a surprise. What is it? Yes, I have a quiz for you guys called Double Double. Double Double. Oh, double right. Double. Uh, has nothing to do with uh, hamburgers. Uh, oh, it is oh. a uh, general general trivia quiz here. The twist is that every answer I'm looking for will be two words, mm-hmm. and each word will have a double letter in it. Whoa. So, may, not necessarily the same letter. But, so, wow. So, uh, that's right. a little bit of a hint there. For all the questions are going to be two okay. word answers. Two word uh-huh. answers. And there's a double letter in each of the words. So, like, like pitter patter. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Sure. That would be the same letter. Doesn't have to necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Be. All, all right. right. All right. Here we go. This Woody Allen romantic comedy won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1977. Whoa, you guys are. Good. Uh, Dana. Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Oh. Yes, indeed. Directed by Woody Allen, which I just noticed is a double double word yeah. as well. This highly caffeinated soda was introduced in 1979 as the Coca-Cola company's answer to Mountain Dew. Like Mountain Dew, it is also a citrus soda, if that gives you any clue. Karen. Mellow yellow. Yes. Yes. Mellow yellow. Squirt? Squirt. Fresca. So it's not mellow at all. It's actually more caffeinated. Yeah, just for comparison here, uh, a regular 12-ounce can of Coke uh, has 34 milligrams of caffeine. Mm -hmm. A regular 12-ounce can of Mellow Yellow, 53 milligrams of caffeine. Not mellow. Yeah. You were mellow before (laughs) you had it. Right, right. Yeah, until you crashed. Yeah. This com. <laughs> yeah, it does. You are right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> time to poo. Time to pee. Let's mark it. This comic strip character debuted in 1966 and was named after a popular confection. This character joined an established strip already in progress. Named after. By a hair. Peppermint Patty? Yes! <laughs> Peppermint Patty. Peppermint Patty, yes. Uh, who Charles Schultz. I don't know how we all got that yes, at the same, same time. Because <laughs> I think we're thinking about titles of comics, and then once you said it was a character in it. Yes. And you're like, right. okay, Entourage existing. comic. Wow. Yeah. Yes, Peppermint Patty. Wow. Yes, indeed, Amazing. named after the York Peppermint Patty candy. Any legal issues? No. No, I, there are, I've never read anywhere about any legal issues. I think that the York Peppermint Patty people were already were kind of just flattered i think in a way that their okay. character was named after their candy yeah you know it was a simpler time okay. in 1966 yeah, yeah. But it's now it's well like... they didn't name her like peppermint patty york you <laughs> yeah. know yeah, that's true. That's yes true. yes this british musical group can lay claim to the second best-selling movie soundtrack of all time with over 15 million certified copies sold hmm. british british musical group I'm going to give you the year. Yeah. It was on the Billboard best-selling album charts for 120 weeks, ending in 1980. 
Chris. The Bee Gees. It is the oh, Bee Gees. Okay. Yes. For Saturday Night Fever. For Saturday Night yes. Fever soundtrack, yes, right. where they wrote and produced uh, most of the music for I got them. as far as Queen. That's <laughs> one word. Aren't they from Australia? They lived in Australia. They were okay. actually born in England mm-hmm. and came okay. to fame in England. But yeah, you're right. They were When they were younger, they started off their musical career in Australia. So this, all of right. course, raises the question, what is the best-selling movie soundtrack of all time? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Chris. Oh. Chris, we're going to take a guess. Titanic. It's not Titanic. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. The album succeeded almost entirely on the success of one song in particular. The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard. Really? Yes. Holy cow. Yes, The Bodyguard. I always love you. There's also I Have Nothing. Which is also a very big hit of Miss, Miss Houston. It's true, yeah. yes. 17 million certified copies sold of the Bodyguard oh, soundtrack. Nice. It's funny, you know, they say like a lot of these uh, highest selling album record uh, numbers will probably never fall just because it's so fragmented now with digital downloads oh, yeah. and they don't necessarily oh, factor true. those in. Yep, yeah, yep. so the Bodyguard kind of came just Yeah, because to... people buy more singles now than full albums. Yes, yes, or, yes. you know, Pirate, oh. yeah. The life of this legendary Scottish figure was depicted in the movie Braveheart. I don't know what his name is. Chris. William Wallace. Yes, William Wallace. We'll be charitable and say that the movie is largely fictionalized. Yes. It routinely makes the lists of, like, most historically inaccurate movies (laughs) of all time. I did not know that. Like, I don't even think they wore kilts, right? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. They didn't wear kilts. Yeah, just many, many, many inaccuracies. Liberties. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Creative license. This traditional Italian sport can be traced back to the Roman Empire and involves oh, sorry. tossing metal spheres on a dirt playing field. Karen! Uh. Bocce ball. Yes, yeah. bocce ball. Or... Which is kind of a cheater because ball doesn't have to be in the name. It's sure. true. Although in, in America, it, it's yeah. fair to call it bocce ball, but you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. To be, to be perfectly proper, it is just bocce. 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 I think. I don't know. Sure. Sure. With our best faux Italian <laughs> well, accents. <laughs> All right, we'll close oh, out boy. here. We'll close out here with Karen one, uh, which should be easy if you know your U.S. capitals. These, yes, these come up a lot for us, so I know Karen knows. All right, in addition to Jefferson City, Missouri, there are two other U.S. capitals who are in a state mm-hmm. that also has a double letter in it. So oh, I'm the capital has a double letter, and the state has a double letter. Yes. So Jefferson City, Missouri. Jefferson City, Missouri is one. Okay. There are two more. Oh wow! Okay. So, Chris, pass. How do you guys can work together to solve these? Well, we first, I mean, the easiest thing is to figure out the state with the double letters exactly. in it and then work backwards. Minnesota. Exactly. Oh, okay. Min- Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota is St. Paul. Oh, St. Paul. Paul. Oh. But yeah, I think that's a good way to do it is, yeah, work oh, backwards yeah. from the states. Karen's running Not- through the Animaniacs song. Yeah, I am. I am. Pennsylvania? Yeah. Harrisburg. Harrisburg. Yeah. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yep. Yep. Looking for one more. Oh. I'll give you guys a hint if you want. Uh, like what? Oh, Massachusetts. It's no, Boston. The, it's in the south. It's in the south. Uh, Missouri. A lot, a lot of music in this. Tennessee. Yes. Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. So there you go. Nashville, Tennessee. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Jefferson City, Missouri. Oh. Cool. How did, did you just look that up? Oh, uh, yes. I uh, traveled to all 50 states <laughs> since, uh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah like, oh, hey, where's, what's your capital here? I could trust the internet, <laughs> okay, well, but goodbye. I want to put some boots on the ground and verify for myself. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. Well done. Whoa, that was cool. All right. And that's uh, our episode. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. 
Hope you learn a lot of cool things about a whole birds. Mm. <laughs> the, the, I could have sworn we had three kids. Three kids here yesterday. No, nope, nope, just me. Just me. Uh, just me. Don't worry about it. Yeah. it checks out. There's a baby bird, bird in here. It's fine. <laughs> Flicks away a last little piece of eggshell. <laughs> that's, that's nothing. That's yeah. nothing. And uh, window washing, and also <laughs> the worst airplanes ever. Oh, what mm. are those little flap things called? Again? Ailerons. 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 And uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And check out our sponsor, Squarespace, at squarespace.com slash goodjobbrain. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.